Hi, and welcome back to the Couch Wolves podcast. I'm so excited to introduce my guest today. My guest name is Susan, and she is a volunteer for the Granite State Dog Recovery Organization. Do I have that right? Yes. Excellent. And Susan and I ended up having a relationship through you know, a, a, a surprise scenario that I'm sure most people don't expect to get themselves in. But one of my foster dogs was adopted and then unfortunately lost in the state of New Hampshire. And Susan was part of the team to recover her and get her back and all safe and sound, you know, happy, happy ever after for that story. But I really want to have Susan here today to talk to us sort of about what, you know, what her work entails and how it affects primitive dog ownership. We're, as we all know, we all have that fear in the back of our minds of what do we do if our dogs get lost? What do we do if they slip out of our house? And also, what does it entail to get them back if they ever get loose? We're, we're all very aware that our dogs are probably the most likely, if any dog, to be able to survive, hopefully long enough that we can recover them. And it's beneficial that we understand how that process works, what are the risks to our pets, and what can we do to best set them up one so that they don't get lost, but if they ever do, so that we can you know make recovery as possible as as you know, we can do. Um, so without further ado, Susan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, uh, so what? Granite State Dog Recovery does is um, we reunite lost dogs with their families. So basically, if um, and in New Hampshire and Vermont, I should say. Um, so if a family has a lost dog, we have them go to our website and fill out a lost dog form, which we then take that information and turn into a lost dog poster, which we use on social media, Facebook, um, things like that, and also make them posters where they can physically print them out and hang them on telephone poles um, to help them get their dogs home. But, but we um, help families via the phone, um, email, um, social media, and we actually help them physically by trapping their dogs, which we did with um, the dogs from New Jersey. Um, so we have equipment um, such as extra-large have-a-heart traps and, and kennels that we have created to actually trap these dogs. Um, a common misconception is that, you know, you lose your dog, you see it, you call it, it comes to you. It doesn't work like that all the time. So, unfortunately, what, where, why we are um, where we are is because there needs to be tools like have a heart traps and kennels and things like that to catch a dog that won't come to anybody. Um, and so once we do that, um, we actually have the family come, you know, pick up the dog. And once they're reunited, then, you know, our job is done. Well, I think you do amazing work. And I mean, I personally am so grateful that you were able to return my foster dog back to me, um, who, again, we, we chatted earlier, but she's doing phenomenal. And... Yeah. Uh, to work with such a professional organization, to, to see your posters, it's interesting because I know we have a few organizations like this in New Jersey. I don't know if they're non-for-profit or for-profit. Uh, I've, I've had the luxury of never having to work with one before. But I've noticed that yeah. it seems like posters and, and awareness is done in a very specific way. Do you design your posters and, and, and just in general anything that you have that's an announcement 
Is there a universal way that you your organizations do that? I notice they're colorful, they're bright, they have a very specific way they're laid out with phone numbers and information. Yeah, um, so the posters that we, we share on Facebook are typically bright with colorful uh, photos of your pet. Um, we try to give as much information um, on those particular photos because, you know, once you share it, it goes viral. Um, it could it could be shared up to you know a couple thousand times, so it it it's, it really needs to be eye catching um, for people to to actually look at it and realize, hey, that that dog's missing in my area. Whereas a poster where we call um, a roadside flyer is is another poster we send to the family, so it could be hung up on telephone poles. is much more basic um, because. The people that see those type of posters that are hanging on telephone poles are usually driving, right? So you're trying to pay attention to the road much more than looking at a poster. So the minimal amount of information is important. The most important thing is that you get um, the phone number on there because if somebody's driving and they see that dog and then right there in front of you is a, is a poster on a telephone pole that you're passing, you're going to pull over and in very big you know, font, you can see the telephone number, you can not even have to get out of your, of your car to call. So um, those two posters, you know, they're very different um, in style. Um, but honestly, and it sounds, it kind of does sound tedious and it sounds a little juvenile to, to hang posters for your dog on telephone poles, but really that is the start of how we find your lost dog because it gives us a pinpoint of where to start. Otherwise, you know, your dog could be anywhere traveling, you know, in a three-mile radius, a five-mile radius. You know, we've had dogs travel for states. So it's really important that people in the, in the community, if they're not on Facebook, if they're not on social media, you know, that they're seeing this out when they're, they're physically driving to know that the dog is is missing and to keep their eyes open. Yeah, I mean, I, I find them super helpful. In, in our area, when I see them, I know not just that there's a missing dog, but it gives me more information that it's this area. I mean, you do, you see right. the posts online and you see like last seen in, you know, town, whatever. And I think to myself, well, is it still in that town? Should I still be concerned if I'm traveling through that town? You know, how big is the radius? I don't have enough information, but I do make the assumption when I see the posters that, it is probably in the area that I'm seeing that. So I do try and keep a lookout. So I do think it's a great campaign, even if we do maybe sometimes think it's rather old fashioned. And I mean, I'm a firm believer with the amount of effort and you being a volunteer that you must see good results from that or else you wouldn't, you wouldn't continue it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it is very time consuming. Um, but honestly, if we didn't have somebody to call us and say, hey, I saw this dog here, we would have nowhere to know where to start unless, mm -hmm. unless you know, we saw it ourselves. Um, and, and the important thing is, is that once you, you put up posters, once your dog is found or a dog is found, it's important to take those down because it gives the next person the opportunity if they lose their dog to put their poster up there as well. And, and like you said, if you see one, you're going to pay attention to it. So, you know, you're, take it down to make sure that people are, are aware that, hey, 
that person probably found their dog if the poster isn't there anymore. Yeah, no, you make a good point because in my area there's posters for a dog who unfortunately I'm assuming is still missing, but I don't know. They're very worn posters. They've been up, I think, for a few years now. So I don't know what the status of that story is and I, I hope it's more fortunate that they just forgot to take down some posters but how often do you think that somebody something somebody should I guess update that information or at what point should you stop I don't I don't know anything about that yeah so so we typically tell people if if they have a dog missing for years if their poster is looking tattered or worn or hanging off you know you feel free to replace it because you do want people to to still continue to keep an eye out um, because we've caught, as an organization, we've caught dogs that have been out for as long as six years. Wow. Um, so, yes. So, um, so it is possible. You know, people do think that, you know, if the dog doesn't come home on its own, it's, it's probably deceased. Well, a dog does behave in the wild as it would if it never had lived in a home. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably something that we should talk about later is that, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're, they're not the same dog that, you know, you know, sleeping on your couch. Mm-hmm. Um, that dog has, you know, survival skills. And so it is very possible for them to live out in the wild um, and survive on their own. So as far as the posters go, um, you know, people often do forget to take them down because they're just so excited that their dog has, has come home. So that's where we ask the community, you know, if you know that the dog has been found, please remove the, the poster and help the family. Um, but, you know, if your dog is still missing, even if it's for years, make sure it's in good condition and, mm-hmm. and to keep it up as long as the town is okay with it. Oh, no, I think that's really helpful because, yeah, I mean, as, as a – member of the public, it's good to know that, yeah, to keep a lookout, even if you do still see posters or things like that. Knowing that, you know, a dog has been recovered six years is amazing. I know that my foster dog, the one that, you know, made me end up meeting you, she had been out for what? Um, two, two years, I believe is how long that she, yes, yes, Yes. is how long she'd been on the run for. So it is, it's super interesting and we will, we're definitely going to come back to how dogs survive. But um, before that, I want to ask you, do you find that there are any breeds that are more likely to get lost or, or get away from their owners? Um, and are those breeds harder to recover? Yeah, we typically, I mean, certainly every single dog, every breed can go missing. We have a lot of beagles go missing. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's often the, the hunting breeds. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that go missing often, um, just because they follow their nose, mm-hmm. you know, they, and they're doing what they were, they were born to do. They follow their nose sometimes and they just look up and, you know, they're lost. So, um, that breed, we have German shepherds that go missing often. Um, and not necessarily that it's more difficult to catch them but they certainly know how to hunt on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you that Shiba Inus <laughs> is the number one hardest dog to trap. Wow. Um, and they can hunt on their own, um, and they don't need us. So mm-hmm. most of the dogs that we catch need us. They need they need a food supply, mm-hmm. and we are, we are that for them. Um, and that's our number one tool in catching a dog is, is high value food, mm-hmm. usually human food. 
And, um, you know, if they're afraid, they don't need us to feed them because they can do it on their own. That's super so, interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching a documentary many years ago that talked about, you know, if, if humans stopped existing, you know, what would happen to our pets? And it talked about how, you know, dogs would really struggle to survive because so many dogs depend on us. But as you pointed out, yes, that may be so for many other breeds, but your Shebas and other primitive dogs that, like you said, can hunt and are, are highly independent, they do make a make a good run of it is what it sounds like. Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, the your your particular foster dog um, wasn't out as as long or lost as long um, as the first time that she was out. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, uh, we had ta- spoken about this previously. She had not lost weight. No. So besides us feeding her, she was eating on her own. Mm-hmm. So that just kind of kind of proves proves the point there. Yeah, when she came home, I laughed. I felt like she was in better shape when she came home than when she left. Her coat was beautiful, and her weight yep. was perfect, and I was flabbergasted. Right. I thought she had stayed at a spa, not been, been you know, chilling down in the streets of New Hampshire for two months. So that was fascinating. Um, yep. No, that's super interesting. Have you worked with any, um, besides recovering Shebas, are there any other primitive type dogs, Akitas, maybe not Basenjis because it's awful cold up where you are, um, but do you find that Huskies just spitz breeds in general, or do, do they still fall into some of the more ancient primitive ones that are still harder? Yeah, I would say I mean, we don't have a lot of Huskies that we need to trap. Um, to be honest with you, Huskies sometimes come on come home on their own or they're friendly and they'll walk up to somebody mm-hmm. um i will i don't have a concrete statistic for you but i would say our success rate is about 93 percent the mm-hmm. other ones either go home on their own mm-hmm. or um are able to be caught by someone physically in their hands mm-hmm. um or unfortunately they don't make it so mm-hmm. um huskies are are pretty pretty smart and (laughs) they can follow their scent back home Mm -hmm. but yeah i think um you know most most hunting breeds are pretty the ones that go missing the most gotcha gotcha no i this is this is all very interesting because i think most people don't want to think about this so the fact that you know you think it you live it every day you know the numbers you know the behaviors is invaluable so with that you know, can anyone lose their dog? Um, what is the most common scenario in which a dog might get lost? Yes, anybody can lose their dog. I have lost my dog. Granted, it wasn't for very long. It was probably for a couple of minutes, but mm-hmm. um, it can happen to anybody, no matter how careful you are. Um, you know, different ways to lose your dog is, you know, you might have a dog that knows how to open a door. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a dog that, you know, you didn't have a good enough grip on the leash and, and the leash gets pulled out of your hand. Um, you know, you have children opening doors, car doors, uh, doors to the home and the dog gets out. A dog could dig under the fence or jump over the fence. Um, you know, there's, there's a bunch of ways and it doesn't necessarily mean you're an irresponsible dog owner. It mm-hmm. just means that you have a smart dog or, you know, an accident happens. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, I'm sorry, what was your first question? Well, no, you, you got it basically in saying, you know, can, can it happen to anybody? And you just said, it's not, it's not a sign of being, you know, an irresponsible dog owner that things happen. I, and you, when you yeah. mentioned car door, you put a smile on my face because I work with clients constantly, you know, in my profession as a dog trainer, teaching them that careful in and out of a car is so important because people take that for granted. They open their car door, the dog goes flying out. But if you don't have a good handle on the leash or the dog's not attached to a leash yet, it's a very, you know, it's a, it's a very likely that at some point your dog's going to see a goose or a chipmunk or just something's going to spook them. And, you know, hopefully you can get a hang, handle on them, but they could run off. You're, you're absolutely right. And right. thinking of all the other scenarios, you know, fences i hear stories all the time of invisible fences that that fail you know there's there are there's so many scenarios not just front doors but just where containment a fence blows down a tree takes out a section of it that you know just gives the dog the freedom they need to take off yes and what we see a lot of um especially up in 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 new england is um, southern transport, so dogs that have oh. up or been strays in the south get transported up here and adopted by, um, you know, loving, loving owners. But sometimes those dogs have been strays. They've never seen a leash. They've never been in a car. They've never experienced a cold winter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, their temperament might be a little bit skittish. They might be, you know, a little bit afraid of of these typical things and if their collar is not fitted right if if they have you know a very strong pull um you know they they could try to escape Mm -hmm. um we have a lot of dogs that you know we swear by martingale collar collars which Mm -hmm. are non-slip collars um you know if their collar isn't fitted properly that's one thing we try to push for is lost dog prevention, mm-hmm. uh, making sure your do- dog's collar is, is fitted properly because it takes them just backing out and they're gone. Um, so so we see a lot of that. I, I, I'm going to say probably 75 to 80% is Southern rescues. Wow. Um, that are just, they don't, they don't know, mm-hmm. they don't know any better. Well, and it makes sense too, because they don't have a home to, to walk back to. They have no idea where they are. Um, they're probably frightened. Yeah. And so that makes a lot of sense yeah. why they would go, get lost versus, you know, a pet dog where hopefully you can call them back or maybe you see them sneak yeah. out or, or, you know, you're checking your doors and your fences. So, and again, you know, people right. who are doing these transports are trying to do good work, but accidents happen. Right. It makes total sense. Right. So, yeah. In, in mentioning, like you said, and some of these dogs struggle in a, in a different climate, but you mentioned, you know, that dogs change. So to go back to that, that thing you mentioned earlier, how do dogs survive on their own outside of a home? Yeah, so it's almost like we, we kid and we say, you know, it's almost like a switch flip. So as soon as they get that taste of freedom, which could be minutes, they turn into what we call feral dog mode. In feral dog mode, they have three basic needs. They need shelter, they need food, and they need to stay safe. So that those three, three things are their main goals. And even if you've owned a dog for 14 years and that 14-year-old dog goes out, it doesn't necessarily mean that that 14-year-old dog that you've known all, all of its life is going to come back to you because they kick in with that feral dog mode and their their basic needs 
need to be met, and they're going to run until they find that. Mm-hmm. And so that's primarily why people need to to use us. Um, so it doesn't mean that your your dog is is being naughty when it doesn't come to you because you call it. A lot of lost dog owners, and and I did not know this before I started with this organization, is your first in- instinct is to scream for them mm-hmm. and to call them and to constantly yell their name. Well, in the lost dog world, we tell people not to do that because think of being a little kid and you're lost in the grocery store and you don't know where your mom or dad is and all you can hear is them screaming for you. You're probably afraid. You're probably afraid that you're in trouble or Mm -hmm. that you don't know where you are. And just like that, lost dogs do the same. They think that they're in trouble. They think that someone's after them, so they're not going to come. They're going to run further. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. You make a lot of sense because yeah, we teach that when we teach recalls. You know, when we teach owners to, right. te- to call their dog come, it should be a party. I tell owners, you know what, this right. is this is worth a million dollars. How much is your dog's life worth? And that's why they should yeah. be showered with rewards when they hear that magic, you know, not their name necessarily, but a magic word that means the best thing in the world. One of my own dogs once slipped out. I didn't realize a section of the fence had been down and I was in the front yard and all of a sudden she was in the front yard and I said her name and she looked at me and you're right. She got that taste of freedom and went, "Mm, but I'm free. And the next thing I did is I jumped in my car and I, I opened the door and I'm shaking a bag of treats. And I was like, come on, let's go for a car ride. She was like, Oh, car ride. But absolutely. It took something that she with every fiber of her being knew was a great thing versus just the customary hey you come on over here you're absolutely right 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 exactly um so so you like you said a switch flips what do they do once they get out there um their their main goal is to find food and shelter mm-hmm. um i i'm not sure why they run as far as they run i mean we have all all types of dogs typically they keep within a three-mile radius of where they went missing from. Okay. Um, for instance, a dog who has been in a car accident with its owner will typically circle back to the, to the scene of the accident. So just like that, if a dog goes missing from your own home, it typically circles back. It doesn't necessarily mean it will come directly to the house, mm-hmm. but it will stay in the same vicinity. Um, we've actually had dogs that have been coming back to their own home but didn't know that they lived there. Um, they would walk up on the porch, and as soon as the owner would open the door, they would take off as if the owner was a stranger. Fascinating. Um, so it's almost like until they are caught, uh, you know, in a in a have a heart trap or a kennel um, and brought into, you know, a safe situation into a home, um, then the, the switch flips back. Um, but I, I'm not really sure why they run as far as they run or, or where they're going. Um, but I know that, that those three things are what's on their mind. That's super interesting, especially the observation that the dog may even come home but still will not respond or will respond negatively to the presence of their owner. And I think that's good for people to hear because if their dog does get loose and does come back, 
they shouldn't, you know, dive to run towards it and, and, and overwhelm it because they're just going to scare it off again, which I think instinctively we do. We want to run towards them and grab them um, to make sure that they're safe. So that's really important to know. Um, yeah, we often tell. Sorry. No, yo, please go ahead. We often, um, we often tell owners that if you do see your dog um, to get down low, mm-hmm. so get below eye level, so almost lay, lay on the ground um, if you are going to try to entice the dog to you because if you are above their eye level, it's almost intimidating. So mm-hmm. if you are a predator just like if they ran into a bear in the wild mm-hmm. or a coyote or another dog, everything is a predator. Mm-hmm. So getting below eye level is extremely important, um, you know, to have them be more comfortable in that type of situation. But you're right, you know, your first instinct is to run towards them. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh, I see my dog. Um, but but you are a predator just like mm-hmm. everything else. It makes a lot of sense. Um, something that I've, I've always told my clients and just people in general when I see a loose dog, so not a lost, lost dog, but people just trying to collect their own loose dog, is I tell people literally stop, drop, and roll. Because you're on the ground and you look really weird and the dog knows that's not human, normal human behavior. And we'll usually come over and investigate whatever you're doing. I've sat on the ground, I've laid down on the ground on my belly and started digging a hole. And invariably the loose dog will come over and go, well, what you doing? And that gives me enough time to either grab them or coax them over so that they feel comfortable enough that they're within reach or able to eat food from me. So yeah, it is. It's about getting on the ground, which is so hard when you want to run to them because you think they're just going to run away, but just plant and, and, and get down there and be, I mean, maybe, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but be sort of strange, do something that will get their attention versus nag them. Yes, we we tell people, you know, we all have code names for our dogs or little <laughs> nicknames that you call that you call your dog. You know, we tell people to talk very softly and very quietly, and you know, use that code name, something that you know mm-hmm. a, a stranger wouldn't know, um, just to kind of remind them of who who you are, um, and that it's that it's okay to come close. But yeah, you're absolutely right as, as to get on the ground and and do kind of dog dog behavior things. Mm-hmm. No, that's super. The code name thing is great because you're right. Because we rarely use those those names with our dogs when they're bad or when they're wrong or when we're not happy with them. So you're absolutely right to use those sort of special pet names to sort of you know say, hey, no, this is a good thing over here, bud. Let come check this out. So right. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So yeah. with that, it, we actually went right into where I was going to ask is. How can an owner help recover their dog if they are not just loose, but have disappeared from sight? Yeah, so the first thing we tell people is to put out hot, stinky food right away. And this isn't just, you know, just regular kibble because that's, you know, kind of boring. You want something that is really high value, something that's very enticing. Because what people often forget is dogs can smell what almost... 10,000 times stronger than a human can. So you want to use any kind of leftovers you have in the fridge that you can heat up really hot, you know, leftover chicken, hamburgers, any type of fast food. If you live near a fast food restaurant, um, chicken tenders, hot dogs, even canned dog food would do. Um, And to put that out right away because you want to entice your dog back to where it, it went missing from. 
Um, and the second thing is to immediately notify police, animal control, any vets offices in a, a five plus mile radius. Because again, like I said, we don't know why they they take off or, or which direction they're headed to. But, you know, if someone does spot it before you get your posters up, they're most likely to call the police or the animal control or a vet's office, something that they know that's in the area. So to spread the word quickly is extremely important. Um, and the third thing to do is it's to get up posters right away because, again, you want as many people as possible to know that your dog is missing and to look for it. That's super duper helpful. I'm sure that, you know, just trying to imagine the fear and the terror that must be going through an owner's mind, um, you know, when their pet is lost and to, to, you know, hopefully to those who listen to this to know, okay, but these are the things I can do to get them back versus feeling helpless. So I think that's super important. Yes. And when it comes to looking for their dog, are there any do's and don'ts if they're trying to actively go out there and look for them? Yeah, we tell people not to chase your dog. So you're uh, just like calling or screaming for your dog or, you know, doing things like that, going after your dog, running after your dog. It's almost like a game of chase. Well, my dog loves when other dogs chase her. So so sometimes dogs think, well, if you're running after me, I'm going to keep running. And the odds of you catching up to your dog are very slim to none. Mm -hmm. So we tell them the best thing to do is to drive. Okay. So picture if your dog goes in the woods behind your house, what's the next street that it's going to come out on? So kind of visually, you know, picturing where the dog is going to come out to and, and drive to that area instead of following behind it. Because, again, you're a predator just like anyone else, just like anything else. Um, and if you do happen to see your dog, like we spoke about before, get low on the ground. Always carry treats and hot dogs, smelly food with you. Um, you know, I always keep treats and, and canned food with me. So having a leash with you is, is really important. Having those things with you when you get down on the ground to entice your dog to you um, is really important so you can secure them right away. And um, no, go ahead. You're good. Nope, that's it. <laughs> no, okay, very good. So, and besides, you know, doing all this on their own, how does somebody work with an organization like yours? Yeah, so there's um, a lot of states have an organization like what we do. Um, there are organizations that charge for their services. We do not charge anybody for anything. We are all volunteer. We do not get paid for this. Um, we just kind of do it out of the kindness of our hearts. And if this happened to us, we would want somebody to help us too um, because this can happen to anyone for any type of reason. We all love dogs, but um, so what a lot of um, animal control officers, a lot of um, veterinarian offices, a lot of dog-related uh, businesses in this industry know who we are, and so they tell families to contact us, um, you know, and that's for New Hampshire and Vermont, and um, you should really check out to see if, if your state um, not just New Jersey, but anywhere else has an organization like what we do. Um, and even if they don't physically help you trap like we do, um, you know, getting the word out, making a poster, putting it on social media is really helpful as well. So, um, you know, if, if there's somebody in New Hampshire that lost their dog and they call the police department, 
oftentimes they'll tell them to call us because they know that we have the resources to help them get their dogs home. I think it's amazing the work you do. And like you said, you do it, you're not paid, you do it purely volunteer and, you know, out of the kindness and the sort of pay it forward that, yes, if you were ever in that situation, you'd want people to help you too. So I think it's, it's fantastic. I just, I know some other dogs that have been recovered in my state and the hard work that I saw people, you know, all season, all year, like you said, you know, in the dead of winter, 20 degrees, storming outside, you know, trying to track and trying to, trying to build traps and things like that to catch them. So, I mean, just, we can't thank you enough for the hard work that you do. I did notice some organizations use dogs to track. Is that something that you have any um, knowledge or familiarity with? Yeah, we do, um, and our our view is probably not on the positive side of that, and, mm-hmm. and here's why. Um, you know, there are most certainly dogs that have been through the schooling, you know, canine, just like canine officers and canine um, handlers, you know, go through extensive training to, to have dogs that are search and rescue and that to track, and there are certainly organizations out there that have proper trained dogs to do that. But what we believe is that anything, mm-hmm. anybody, any animal, any person is a threat to a lost dog. And mm-hmm. so when you chase that dog and when you go after that dog, even if the search and rescue dog is on the proper scent, it could force that lost dog out of the area. Oh, okay. And so that's probably the worst thing to happen is mm-hmm. because that dog has found a safe area where it feels comfortable. Now you've just pushed it out. And so if we're trying to actively trap or actively try to go after that dog, um, you know, it's, it's going to force them to move. And so, so we, we, you know, we most certainly understand and, and before, you know, um, joining this organization, if, I had a lost dog. Certainly that sounds really great Mm -hmm. um, to have someone say that I have a dog that can track your dog. That's great. But oftentimes we find that those organizations that use those tracking dogs and they they charge a a great deal of money Mm -hmm. don't necessarily walk into a lost dog. They kind of walk into a general vicinity and then tell you to put up posters just like we do. Gotcha. so, yeah, we try we try to to steer people away from that, but certainly don't judge if people mm-hmm. wanted to try it. Sure, I mean your reasons make a lot of sense, and it it does sound like yes, if they go to if they attempt to pinpoint the actual location of the dog, they're probably going to scare it and have it forbid scare it towards you know traffic or scare it you know further away like you just said, and in the end. Sure. You know, if they're not putting that kind of pressure on a dog, they're doing what you do. They're saying, okay, well, the dog's in this vicinity based on what my tracking dog is identifying. So I can see how there's an overlap. And and you're absolutely right. You know, if the situation happens to somebody, you do what you got to do. But it's good to know the pros and cons of the different options that exist and and, and sort of trying to navigate that. Because, again, if, if this happens, it's terrifying. So... Right. I just just the phone call I received knowing my foster dog was lost and, and the tizzy that put me in for those two months, if it was my normal home dog, I, I can only imagine it would be, knowing how far away you were and, and my inability to be there 
probably buffered me a little bit. It left me with a lot of unknown and a lot of praying. But if it was local, the the how hysterical I would probably be, even though I'm generally a very even tempered person and to try and navigate this would be very hard. So the information you're providing us today is just invaluable. Um, if somebody wants to get involved with an organization like yours to do volunteer work or to, you know, just make this information more accessible, how could somebody do that? Yeah. So, so we have very few volunteers, um, you know, because it doesn't take a lot of work and dedication. What we, we tell people who do want to volunteer with us, getting posters up for families that um, don't have resources to do it on their own or taking down posters of dogs that they that have been found in their area are extremely helpful to us. And, um, you know, a lot of people that volunteer want to see, you know, the whole process done. It takes a lot of work. It takes, you know, it could take up to months. We've worked on dogs for years. So it's morning and night. Um, we all have full-time jobs in the meantime. So it's, it takes a lot of, um, a lot of time out of your schedule. It takes overnights. It takes, you know, calls at 3 a.m. So if you're, if, if that's something that you're interested in, please, you know, contact us. We have our Facebook page, Granite State Dog Recovery. They can contact us um, via email at lost at granitestatedogrecovery.com um, or just go onto our website, granitestatedogrecovery.com, um, you know, to see more of what we do, see, you know, the kind of dogs that we, we recover, our current stories. We always try to put up stories if we recover a dog, um, you know, with a, with a trap um, and, uh, you know, if not, if we even ask if people have a lost dog on their street, you know, look out the window every once in a while. That's helping us. That's, you know, and if you see the dog, we have a, a toll-free number that you can call and leave a message that will go right to our cell phones. Um, please call if you see a lost dog in your area. Those are, that's, that's all great things. And we're going to put all that information in the show notes so that they can reach out to you. Is there any sort of, international organization where people can look for similar groups in their state? Um, I don't believe there is. Mm -hmm. I think you just have to kind of Google your state and see if there's a lost dog organization. Um, And uh, we have a list of states that we're aware of on our website um, that are resources for other states um, who trap or help people with lost dogs. So you can check that out too. Perfect. Um, and, and I mean, it is a lot of work and I think you pointed out that's what makes it hard to find good volunteers. And hopefully if there's anyone listening that they will contact their state, um, or, or local regional recovery organization so that they can, you know, donate some time, but are there also supplies or, you know, are financial donations ever helpful for organizations like yours? Yes, so we solely run on donations, um, supplies and mon- monetary donations. That's that's how we are funded. You know, we we have very generous Facebook followers, um, which is primarily how we get our money. We have a PayPal account um, that you can find on our website. And, you know, specifically, sometimes there's an injured dog gets hit by a car and the family doesn't have enough money to, you know, take care of the expenses. We'll ask 
our Facebook followers if they'll, you know, send a, a monetary donation. And we get a very, very good response from that. Um, and and without that, we would not be operational um, because otherwise it would come from our pockets. And there's only 10 of us. There's wow. 10 of us who do this organization. So, um, you know, without that, we would be nothing. I, I do. I think it's so amazing the hard work you do, and I'm glad that you do have some financial supporters. And I hope some of our listeners, you know, will be interested in reaching out some in some way. I mean, I know that not everybody can give, but even if it's you know a simple act of sharing information, sharing a poster, you know, getting the word out so that you know we can help be eyes and ears for you guys. Um, because I mean, I'm. I'm still so grateful that, you know, my foster dog is safe and sound that, you know, you guys were able to help with that. You know, you've, you've educated me and you've educated our listeners in, you know, how your hard work works. Cause I mean, unfortunately I, I don't think we think about this until it happens and, you know, just right. like all other forms of prevention, you know, I, I'm a trainer. One of the things I advocate all the time is training is prevention, but, but life happens, right. like you said, you know, there's no specific person, you know, you're not irresponsible if your dog gets loose necessarily. And knowing what these things are and how to access them is so important. Time is of the essence. And and I'm so grateful that, you know, you were willing to share, again, your time that, you know, is, is finite um, I'm with us to talk about this today. Is there anything else that you wish the public knew about? recovery work or if you own something like a Shiba or an other primitive hunting dog, you know, is there anything that you'd like those people to know about your work or, or what they should do about something? Um, yeah, I mean, just that we don't judge, you know, mm-hmm. this, this can happen to anybody. I think people are really surprised that we get anywhere from five to, I think the most we had in one day was over 30 lost dog forms. And that's just in New Hampshire and Vermont. So it can happen to anybody. Um, we don't judge you. Uh, we're not going to call you up and yell at you. We're here solely to help. And, um, you know, there's very specific process in which we do things and we're very passionate about. And sometimes we sound like broken records where we tell people not to scream for the dog or go look for the dog. But, but I, there's a method to our madness. And if you just hang in there with us, you know, um, even though we might tell you, you know, not to go out one night and look for your dog, there's there's a reason why we're telling you to do it. And so, you know, check out our, our website and, and see what we do um, on a daily basis. Uh, you know, I've personally done this for about eight years. Um, this organization was started by my very good friend and founder, uh, Holly McCretsky. She did this because there was a missing dog in her area um, in 2004. So, I mean, we kind of learn along the way. We've learned a great deal about lost dogs and and their behavior, and we, we, um, you know, will continue to do that. Um, But, uh, you know, we don't judge, and and please contact us or contact anybody in your state to help you find a lost dog. And even if you don't live in New Hampshire or Vermont and you have a question, you know, feel free to reach out to us. We'll try to help you through as, as best we can. Susan, you've been so amazing today talking to me and taking the time and I've learned so much and I feel like this is something that needs to be talked about more often and I'm sure I'll ask you to revisit it. Um, in my academic work, I've actually rarely ever come across anything that talks about, um, you know, 
domestic to pseudo feral animal behavior um, or animal recovery. So I find this super interesting. I hope that, you know, the more that we make this information accessible, the more that it's talked about, the more that there will be a demand for people to do further research and to really honor the work you do, because I think it, it goes I mean, you do it for the for you know the kindness of your heart, but it goes without the acknowledgement that I think it deserves. Because, like you said, you're out there, you know, searching for these beloved animals and and doing everything to bring them home. And I think that's just amazing work. So thank you so much for the hard work that you do. Yeah, thank you, thank you so much for for having me. It's a, it's really important that people, you know, you love your dog so much, and um, you know, to keep them safe and and to know everything about even if your dog is missing is really important. So thanks for doing this. Yeah, my pleasure. So I'm going to have all of your information in the show notes and I want to thank everybody for listening to us today. And, and as always for listening to all of our programs, we're going to continue to, to have fascinating and interesting guests talk about really important topics um, as well as, you know, general questions and answers and roundtables and things like that. But I definitely want to thank our listeners. I want to thank the Couch Wolf community. You know, you guys are awesome. And remember that, you know, we we are supporting dogs that not everybody knows about, that not everybody understands our their, our dogs' quirks and our dogs' challenges and, and sort of their place in our human world on our couches <laughs> where they belong. So I want to thank everybody again for listening. And I look forward to you know, seeing you all next time.